Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you this morning. We're going to turn in God's Word to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. A story that some of us probably have heard or read many times. Mark writes these words. You have them on the screen. He said, Jesus and his followers went to the other side of the lake, to the area of the Gerasene people. When Jesus got out of the boat, instantly a man with the evil spirit came to him from the burial caves. This man lived in the caves, and no one could tie him up, not even with a chain. Many times people had used chains to tie the man's hands and feet, but he always broke them off. No one was strong enough to control him. Day and night he would wander around the burial caves and on the hills, screaming and cutting himself with stones. While Jesus was still far away, the man saw him, ran to him, and fell down before him. The man shouted in a loud voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I command you in God's name, do not torture me. He said this because Jesus was saying to him, You evil spirit, come out of the man. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He answered, My name is Legion, because we are many spirits. He begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of that area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a hill near there. The demons begged Jesus, Send us into the pigs and let us go to them. So Jesus allowed them to do this. The evil spirits left the man and went into the pigs. Then the herd of pigs, about 2,000 of them, rushed down the hill into the lake and were drowned. The herdsmen ran away and went to the town, to the countryside, telling everyone about this. So people went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who used to have the many evil spirits sitting clothed and in his right mind. And they were frightened. The people who saw this told the others what had happened to the man who had had the demons living in him. And they told about the pigs. Then the people began to beg Jesus to leave the area. As Jesus was getting back into the boat, the man who was freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus would not let him. He said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man left and began to tell the people in the ten towns about what Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. Amen. These last couple of weeks, our theme has been Rethink. We've called it Rethink 21 because... The challenge has been for us to take 21 days, and based on Philippians chapter 4, to fix our thoughts, as Paul said, fix our minds on those things that are true, those things that are good, those things that are right, to, to think about those things that are, that are lovely and, and pure, and also to dwell on the good, kind things that we see in other people's lives, and to think about all the good things that, that God has done for us, and to be glad, Paul says. And that's been our challenge, and many have taken up that challenge to varying degrees, and many have commented of how they've just found as they've kind of stopped allowing certain things into their mind, their, their, their spirit, their entertainment, and, and actually beginning to take on good habits of just how beautiful it has been to see the Lord just kind of bring a, a sifting and a cleansing and a clarity to their walk with the Lord and just to their daily living. Because people are beginning to understand, as we also we know this, but sometimes we forget the enemy wants us to make us think that God is actually a restrictor. But according to the Word of God and the life that we see Jesus model and the things that we see Him do in our own lives, we understand that Jesus is not a restrictor. Jesus is the fulfiller. He comes to bring fulfillment into our lives. In fact, I believe that really fundamental to any kind of growth in our life, any kind of spiritual progress, 
is that we have to understand that when God calls us to, to walk according to his will or to do his will, he's not asking us to do his will because he has some kind of agenda to fulfill and he just needs us to do that. God's agenda is actually for your fulfillment. That's his agenda. His agenda is that you be a fulfilled person, but you be a fulfilled person in understanding his ways and allowing him to bring you to where he wants to bring you and to do those things that he has for you that he wants to do in your life. In fact, when the Bible talks about fulfillment, fulfillment in the scriptures is not just this idea of being filled to the brim, you know, for my own benefit. Fulfillment in the scripture has more to do with this idea of being filled to overflowing. That every area of my life is actually full and overflowing so that it not only ministers to me, but it also brings something to people or to situations around me. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 7, whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of life-giving water. You see, whatever Jesus is doing in me is not meant to just be used on me. It's actually meant to increase in me and to overflow from me to life around me. Even in the scriptures, this idea of scripture being fulfilled involves so much more than just a prophetic word coming to pass. When the prophets of old, for example, spoke about Jesus, they said certain things that we know Jesus actually fulfilled to the very letter. But the prophecies were not just fulfilled to the letter. By being fulfilled, it meant that they, were, they came to pass in ways that were so far beyond anything anybody would have imagined. And so even those who knew the scriptures and knew the prophecies and, and looked forward to them coming to pass and actually saw the fruition of those prophecies in their lifetime, they were still amazed by how that prophecy was done and how great that promise was. And you see, that is God's heart toward you and me. That is God's agenda in your life and mine. God comes to us with his word. He gives us his scriptures, the living word. The Holy Spirit speaks to us on a regular basis. He comes to us, and when he speaks to us, he speaks promises. He speaks words of hope. He speaks things into our spirit that causes us to, to begin to dream and imagine for so much more than maybe what we have settled for and realize just how precious we are in his sight and what he intends for us. And yet, even when those promises come to pass in our life, how many of us have had to stand back and say, wow, God, I never imagined you were going to do that. Yeah, I knew you promised this in my life, or I knew you called me to that, or I knew you wanted whatever, but Lord, when I see it come to pass, I cannot believe how big it was that you had actually planned for me. And that is God's agenda for us. And yet, so many of us, if we're honest, we're still held back by a misunderstanding that somehow, if I really let God have his way in my life, then there's going to be certain things that I want to do that I'm not going to be able to do. You ever heard that? You ever believe that? Oh, Lord, I really want to trust you. I really want to give you everything, but I just kind of feel like, you know, if you do, you're going to kind of spoil my plans. Or somehow I'm going to miss out on some of the things that, that I really want to do. And yet the reality is that when you let the Lord have his way, you discover that it is the most fulfilling thing that you're ever going to experience. And see, when you understand that truth and you really commit yourself to that truth, understanding that the promises of God to us are as sure as done to those who believe, understand that the Lord actually has places he wants to bring us, understand that the Lord has never intended that our faith just be stale, 
that we know the Lord and we're going to heaven, but really our faith is more about just trying to be a good person, trying to be a Christian, and waiting for Jesus to return. But if we're honest, we're kind of at the same place we've been all our lives in the Lord. We're just at the same place we've been the last five or ten years, and we forget that Jesus always wants to bring us into new places, new things. And so when I really begin to understand that, what happens is the new things that I never thought possible begin to be open for me. Because you see, God's will for me, it's my freedom. That's his will. Jesus said, if you being earthly mothers and fathers, and yet you're fallen, you're evil by comparison, and yet you desire good things for your children, how many of us as parents don't desire that our children be free, right? Don't desire that their lives be fulfilled. They become contributing citizens in our culture. We all desire that for our children. How much more does our Heavenly Father desire that we actually experience life that is fulfilling? That's what Jesus said. I've come to bring you life. What? In all of its fullness. I've come to bring you a life that you understand, spirit, soul, and body. That you're able to bring a fullness and abundance that actually is overflowing in those areas of your life. And that's why if there's anything that hinders that, then those are the very things that God wants to deal with in our lives. I read a number of years ago that, uh, whether true or not, it probably is, but uh, someone had written that it was a common practice among some psychiatrists uh, back in the old days when they were trying to discern whether or not a patient was ready to go home or whether or not they were sane, that they would just do a simple little test and observation to see how the patient would respond. And what they would do is go into a room, like a, a washroom or something, and they would put the plug, the stopper in the sink, turn the water on, and wait until the water begins to overflow the sink, and then they would take the patient, give them a mop, send them into the room to see what they would do. Now, if the patient had the wherewithal to turn the tap off, let the water out, and then mop what was on the floor, they said, okay, they're ready to go home. They can deal with life rationally. But if the patient went in there and just, you know, mopped feverishly but never addressed the real issue, then they needed to stick around for a while longer. You see, we live in a society where people all around us, and sometimes even in the church, their whole life, they're just mopping like crazy because they have their own personal demons, but they don't know how to stop the flooding in their lives. They don't know how to make things change. They don't know how to stop those things that are coming against them and just adding more weight and more pressure, more oppression, whatever the case may be. You see, I believe that the most successful lie of the devil is to get us to believe that you know there's just certain things you just got to put up with because after all, everybody goes through that. Yeah, everybody deals with that kind of stuff. You're no different, so you might as well expect it and accept it for yourself. And yet so many of those things that come against us, we need to understand, they come against us for the sole purpose of distracting us, distracting our lives, getting us mopping the floor, getting us preoccupied with other stuff, like need to do this, need to do this, if you don't know how to stop the flooding. But the purpose is to make it so that it takes forever for us to ever get to where Jesus wants us to be. We're just spending our lives distracted by things, dealing with things, or just accepting the mess. And so, well, I guess it's just the way it's supposed to be. After all, other people go through this too. And Satan is so masterful, he understands human psychology like nobody else. He's been at this for thousands of years. And he designs those things that come against us in such a way that he kind of just weaves them into the fabric of our life so we accept them as normal. 
and we get used to them, and we never, ever resist them. That may be bad health, bad marriage, rebellious kids, whatever it is. But Jesus wants us to begin to learn as the people of God how to recognize these things, how to confront these things, and how to drive out the works of darkness that are in our life or in the circles that we move. Now, there's a few principles in the story that I want to share with us that I believe have to do with how we can find that freedom, how we can find fulfillment in those areas of our lives, if we're honest, that we've kind of just gotten used to. You know, we've just gotten used to the enemy at work. We've kind of got used to the defeat. We've got used to not thinking beyond, dreaming beyond, expecting anything beyond that. And sometimes we even think it's spiritual or piety, but it's not. And here's the first principle I see in this story. And that is that the devil will fight you for every inch of territory that you intend to possess in your walk with Jesus Christ. He will always come against you. In this story, Jesus is moving into a region known as the Gerasenes. Now, I want us to understand, Jesus is not just going on a tour for the area. The disciples didn't go, to, go ahead of Jesus, put up some posters, hey, special meetings running this week, Jesus is kind of, you know, doing the circuit. No, make no mistake, this is an invasion. Jesus is going to that region where he knows it has been held in darkness. He is coming to confront, to challenge the powers of darkness, to drive them out, and to establish the kingdom of God. In fact, I don't believe it's a coincidence when you read the previous chapter, chapter 4, the latter part of that chapter. It's not a coincidence that as Jesus and the disciples get in the boat to go across the Sea of Galilee, which is actually just a giant lake in Israel, but as they're crossing the Sea of Galilee on their way to the Gerasenes, Jesus said, get in the boat, that's where we're going. It's not a coincidence that this sudden storm arises. That storm was not just a natural phenomenon. It was a supernatural phenomenon. It was Satan himself coming against Jesus to just sink that boat and to wipe them all over because he knew what was going on here. He knew it was at stake. Ephesians 2.2 tells us that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He has certain powers, but what's interesting is he causes this incredible storm that the disciples who are, who are um, experienced fishermen are fearing for their lives. That's how severe it is. They can't navigate it. And where's Jesus? He's asleep in the back of the boat. Why? Because Satan is the prince of the power of the air. But Jesus is king. And there's a difference in authority. Jesus said to the disciples, that's where we're going. I'm not shook. That's where we're going. That's where the Holy Spirit says we want us to be. That's where we're going. In fact, when they wake Jesus up, imagine that he's sleeping through the storm. When they wake Jesus up and he speaks to the storm and says, enough, be quiet. Okay, disciples, let's get going. They're amazed. And Jesus says to them, why were you afraid? Didn't I tell you we're going there? Didn't I tell you that's where we're heading? And friends, hear me. There are things that the Lord will speak to you. And I promise you, just when there's a sense of hope, just when there's a sense of, hey, this can really change. I can, I can just see it off in the distance. It's not far away. I promise you, some kind of storm is going to come at you. But you need to remember who spoke the promise to you. You need to remember the one who really is in control, who really has the power. If he says, we're going this way, why are you afraid? I told you, this is where I'm leading you. This is what we're doing. Now, what's interesting is no sooner do they get there, we read in verse 2, that Mark says, instantly, 
a man with an evil spirit came to Jesus from the burial caves. I want you to notice that word instantly. Because the very moment that Jesus comes to you with a promise, he comes with a promise of hope, a promise of faith, a promise of change, a promise of fulfillment, a promise of ministry, whatever it may be. Instantly, the Bible says, the enemy opposes him. He will run at you and he will try to shut you down. He wants to intimidate you. He wants you to say to yourself, to rationalize in your natural mind, I know God loves me, but I just, I don't think he can do this in my life. I know God loves me, but I really don't expect anything to change. And you see, if he can intimidate you, if he succeeds in that, and friends, I'm talking from experience, that intimidation will turn to discouragement. And over time, that discouragement will turn to unbelief. And then that unbelief becomes spiritual apathy. And before you know it, what it was that God spoke to you, it comes to a grinding halt. But I believe I can speak for every one of us this morning when I say, I don't want to accept anything that stops the progress of what God intends for me, what he intends for my family, what he intends for anything concerning me. You see, this story is about more than just Jesus confronting another demon-possessed man. This story has to do with you and me laying hold of God's best for us rather than just being distracted by it. And friends, some of us are in situations where... Whoop. Let's continue on then. Amen. The Lord bless him. He looks like he's doing, doing well out there. There's lots of folks taking care of him. So what are some of the principles we see from this story? What are some of the ways that the enemy tries to get us to kind of just put up with, to tolerate, to accommodate whatever it is that just kind of keeps us locked in where we are, that really robs us from getting to the place that we want to go? Here's a second principle, and that is that God's loving plan for your life will always be twisted by the enemy to water down your confidence in what God wants to do. You know, if there's one thing that should really upset us as people who follow the Lord, it's how the enemy is so strategic in the way that he twists people's thinking so that instead of trusting the Lord, they, they tend to look at the Lord and blame him rather than seeing his goodness and kindness and knowing his heart, they tend to blame him for anything that's going wrong in their life. And we can be tempted to do that sometimes too. Look at verse 7. After the demon tells Jesus to get out of the region and realize that he's not going anywhere, what does the demon do? Verse 7. In God's name, he says to Jesus, do not torture me. Do not torture me. It's interesting that the devil gives no thought whatsoever to this human being that he's reduced to an animal, who's clawing at himself, who's, who's scratching himself, who's trying to kill himself to put himself out of his misery. What does the demon do? He says, Jesus, don't torture me. Don't hurt me. Don't do anything to me. And friends, we need to recognize this morning the different ways that the enemy comes to us. And he says, you know what? Just leave things the way they are. Did I already mention this? I preached the message earlier. <laughs> Maybe I just said that to you. <laughs> okay, new audience, new message. But he'll come to us and he'll say, it's not worth the hassle. Why don't you just leave things the way they are? In fact, that's one of the manifestations of a controlling spirit. You see that it works sometimes in people's lives that people control and control and control, and as soon as you confront, what do they do? Oh, 
I'm the victim. I'm the victim. It's the same thing the enemy does when the Lord shows us those things that he's doing in our lives and the Lord wants to address those things. He'll come to you and say, don't think for a moment that God loves you any less just because things aren't going right in your life. No, God, you see, God still loves you. God is good. God is gracious. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, because God is so loving, you're okay where you are. Things are okay where they are. You don't have to rock the boat. You don't have to stir the pot. You just need to understand that the Lord loves you and just kind of stay where you are and, and just let God be gracious to you. And you know what? That really makes sense to the natural mind. Just like I'm sure it made sense to all the citizens in that region of the Gerasenes. I mean, after years of seeing this man in the graveyard, in chains, the things that he was doing, I'm sure they convinced themselves, well, you know what? It's not that strange. I'm sure that every town has their crazy guy down in the graveyard. You understand what I'm saying? We get used to that. We get used to dysfunction. We get used to things that are broken. We get used to things that are not working the way they should in our lives, even though we know the Lord is speaking promise to us. You see, Satan's most effective line of attack is to weigh you down with all of those things that you've just come to accept as normal. And the Lord says, these are not normal. When I came to give you life to the full, this is not what I was talking about. Whatever it may be, we could list a thousand different things. But whatever it is, we know what it is for that voice to be speaking to us. But friends, wherever there's any expression of evil in our lives, any expression of evil in the circles that we move in, we need to stop tolerating. And we need to start taking back in the power of God's name. What the Lord is speaking to us, the Lord says, my promise to you, my word to you, what I'm whispering to you in that still small voice, that is as good as done to those who believe, to those who will contend for what I'm talking to you about. There was a school bully who was picking on this one little kid every lunch hour, taking his money, a few bucks here, a few bucks there. And that little kid gets sick and tired. He said, I'm going to do something about this. So he signed up for karate classes, took karate for a month. He's getting a little bit stronger, but as he kind of weighed things out, he said, you know what? I mean, I'm paying five bucks a day for lessons. I'm spending less money on that of the bully. I might as well just put up with the bully. You see, and there are some of us who are kind of the same way. We kind of look at where things are. We hear that promise. And because we think, man, it just takes so much work, so much discipline, whatever we think it may be, to actually get rid of this bully, I might as well just pay him. I might as well just kind of get used to the enemy. I might as well just make room for this and just kind of learn to live with this like anything else in my life that's robbing me. You see, we have this attitude sometimes, well, if I leave the devil alone, he'll leave me alone. But friends, the devil never has a good day. There's never a day where the devil decides to go easier on you. He comes for one purpose. His obsession is to steal from you. His obsession is to destroy you in any way that he can. You see, if we could really see into the spirit realm, something we don't realize, and this doesn't just go for us who know the Lord. This goes for every human being on this earth. It is the grace of God that stops the hordes of darkness from destroying every one of us. If the Lord was to remove his hand, remove his restraint of the enemy, remove his grace, I promise you, demons would break into this natural realm and they would tear every single one of us limb from limb. That's how much they hate us. 
But that's how much the grace and presence of God keeps them at bay. God's grace is at work in our lives. The point being, you don't have to fear stirring up a nest in the spirit realm. You don't have to fear the enemy getting angry at you and making life difficult for you. He will come at you, but you don't have to fear that. When the Lord has spoken something to you, he says, yes, I see the issues, I see the attacks, but you've got to understand, you are fighting against the prince of the power of the air, but I am king. I am Lord. And what I have promised you, what I have begun in you, I am going to bring it to pass. It's because of the Lord's love and his goodness that we're not consumed. A third principle is that the overthrow of the enemy requires confrontation. The sequence of events in this story is interesting because it shows us how Jesus deals with the devil. He commands him, what is your name? And by the way, let me just say this. I said in the first service, but when we talk about battling against spiritual forces or war against the devil, the devil himself, Satan himself, this will be a blow to your ego, but he probably doesn't even know you exist. So when we talk about, you know, fighting the devil, we're talking about principalities, spiritual entities, or devils, plural. You see, just like a worldly government, Satan is on top, but he has millions upon millions in different levels of authority around the world that are doing his bidding. So really what we are working against, what comes against us are demon beings that are working Satan's bidding. Satan himself probably, again, doesn't know you, but we are actually fighting those that work with him. But you see, when there are things that are going on in our heart, in our life, what the Holy Spirit is so faithful to do, if we will ask him, is he will show you what is going on. When you're saying, Lord, why does it seem to be blockage here? Lord, why does it seem that this area of my life just coming to, isn't coming together? Lord, why does it seem to be so much hassle in, in relationship, in our home, in our family, whatever it may be? Why is that? I had a pastor friend many years ago who shared a story that he and his wife were always very responsible in their finances. But they just came into this season where it seemed like everything was breaking, everything was going wrong, you know. It just seemed like money was just coming in and going out. They're thinking, like, what is going on? This went on for a few weeks. They said, this is not normal. And they just went to prayer. And when they went to, the prayer, to prayer, they felt the Holy Spirit impressed upon their heart, this is demonic. This is a spirit that is attacking your financial peace. And they simply went to prayer and just said, Lord, we just come against that in your name. They took authority, and immediately those things dried up. And they began to move once again in that responsible finance and in freedom that they always enjoyed. You see, when you come into conflict with the enemy in any area, the Holy Spirit will always show you what's going on. It may be a demonic spirit of fear. It may be a demonic spirit of anger or of dullness, poverty, confusion, unbelief, apathy. All of these spirits are mentioned in the Word of God, and there's many, many more besides that. But whatever it is, the Holy Spirit will show you what it is. He will give you the tools. And here's the key, friends. He will show you what the real problem is. You see, for many of us, if we're honest, we believe in the Lord. But we allow the enemy to deceive us because masterfully he weaves those things through just everyday life. And what do we do? We find ourselves just mopping like crazy. Just mopping. Oh, 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 something's gone wrong in my finances. Let's go to the bank and get a loan, you know? Bang, bang, bang. Or something's gone wrong, you know, there's pressure in my marriage. Oh, it's her fault or it's his fault. We're just mopping, 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 right? And the Holy Spirit says, turn the tap off. The Holy Spirit shows you where the stopper is. Take it out. The Holy Spirit shows us how to deal with those things, but we need to take time to ask of the Lord. And again, the point is not to call every dilemma a demonic attack. 
The point is that we are not to dismiss every negative as just a fact of life. We are to open ourselves to the discernment that the Holy Spirit gives us to actually begin to identify and confront some of these things in the spirit realm. And friends, to do that, hear me, you don't have to get all worked up to be spiritual. You don't have to raise your voice. You don't have to jump high. Your eyes don't have to roll in the back of your head. All you got to do is pray and move as the Holy Spirit leads you to pray and move and then allow the Holy Spirit to take care of that. But he will do that. Now, why is that so important? Because God tells us that if we're going to walk in the Spirit, if we're going to actually get out of where we are and see growth and change and, and freedom and that fulfillment, we've got to stop allowing ourselves to be distracted by all the little diversions And they're not always front-on attacks that hurt us. They can oftentimes just be diversions of, hey, why don't you get involved in this? Why don't you eat up a lot of your time in this? Why don't you let this become your idol, this become your God, this become the thing that really brings you identity and, 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 you know, favor or reputation? Hey, get involved in that. The Holy Spirit will show us all those different kinds of things because he wants us to start to get where Jesus wants us to be. And that's the final principle we see in this story. And that is that deliverance and freedom always bring a new level of fulfillment. The story opens with this man who's in a graveyard. We don't know how many years he's been there. He's been in chains. He's cutting himself. He's scratching himself. He's trying to put himself out of misery. And then we read in verse 15, they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And friends, I want us to see that is Jesus. That's Jesus for you. That's the kind of stuff Jesus loves to do in our lives. He wants to make us whole as people. He wants you to be clothed. What does that mean? He wants you to be confident in who God is. He wants you to be comfortable in who you are as a child of God. And he wants you to be in your right mind. He wants you to have a sense of purpose, as we shared last week. What is purpose? Purpose is what gives you meaning. It makes you feel like your, your life actually has some weight, has some worth. And just as importantly, when you have purpose, you know what your next steps need to be. You know what you need to give yourself to. You know what you don't have time for. It may not even be a bad thing, but because the purpose is important for you, it gives you direction. You say, for this season, that's just not for me. This is my next step. The Lord wants us to have that. That's why he clothes us. And he wants us to be in our right mind. He wants us to learn to take back more and more ground from the enemy so that we actually begin to move out of just a life that's enough to actually move into a life that begins to overflow, that actually begins to see God's word to us and what he intends for us to actually be fulfilled and fulfilled in a way that is not just for ourselves, but it's also for those who are around us. Listen, my friends, when you decide that you've had enough, When you decide that you're going to take your stand and you decide that I'm going to actually begin to move and get to those places the Lord has for me, you don't have to fear that the devil's going to make life unbearable for you. I can promise you he is going to come at you and he's going to fight you for every inch of ground that you're determined to take. But we have a promise in God's word and you know it very well. It says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is Jesus who is in me than the powers of darkness who come against me. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me as we close this morning.
But friends, I want to remind us that we are fighting a battle every day. And there's no way to escape that. And you may say, well, Pastor, I'm not really aware of any kind of battle. Well, you know, we can just kind of get into a rut. We can have our life mapped out, and we don't realize that we have been locked into a cage of apathy and unbelief. We may have lots going on in our lives. We may be successful in a lot of areas, but when it really comes to the kingdom of God, when it really comes to who we are as the people of God, there's just a sense of us just, you know, nothing's really changed. And I believe this morning the Lord wants to clothe us with a new mindset that stops getting used to that and that actually starts taking back what the Lord has for us. I believe the Lord wants us to be a people who learn to live in a fullness, not just a fullness that's enough, but a fullness that actually overflows. There's a river of life within us that's meant to well up within us and to overflow from us. You see, God has promises for us. It's not just to save us and get us to heaven, right? God has gifts that he's given to us. And maybe for many, they just lay dormant. Why? Because we've convinced ourselves, I just couldn't see myself doing that. Or given where I am right now, I just can't see God using me. But God doesn't speak those promises to us to frustrate us. He places those in our hearts and he says, this is my plan for you. This is my purpose for you. And the simple question is, do you believe? Do you believe? I want to bring you from that place of just enough. I want to bring you to a place of overflowing beyond what you could have imagined. And the Lord can do that. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. For full services, head over to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com and follow us on social media at GT Moncton to stay up to date on what's happening here at GT. God bless.